0: Welcome to crafting a revolution my name is katie freeman and i am your host if you're new to this podcast i'm going to tell you that every wednesday and friday i'm bringing you interviews of female and non-binary makers of all kinds from all around the world and today's guest is amanda russell also known as sawdust woman uh, amanda russell currently is apprenticing with Philip Morley in Texas and really great story listening to how she wound up getting into woodworking and how she really loves it and pretty much all the amazing benefits and aspects of doing it. So I'm excited to bring this interview to you all. Now, before we hop into the interview, I wanna give a big shout out and thanks to the patrons over on Patreon. So thank you so much. Katie at Women in Woodworking, Kevin, Lefty's Woodshop, Christy, Twisted Twine, Jeremy, Jeremy Spies, Sammy, Go Sammy Lee, Sven, Dwarf Size Workshop, Rachel, Moody Makes, Bonnie, Tool Mom Bonnie, Tool Laura, Oakley Soap Company, Mary Lou, Made by Mary Lou, Brandy, Studio Obey, Lee, The Rainbow Carver, Ellen, Little Bear Furniture, and Ethan, Ethan Carter Designs, thank you all so very much for your continued and ongoing support helping me to produce two episodes a week, every week. Now, if you want to get your name added to this list, it is super easy. Head on over to patreon.com forward slash crafting revolution, or even easier. You can follow along on Instagram at Crafting a Revolution and hit the link in the bio. Super easy. Uh, Join on up with the revolution and become a patron to support the podcast and your name will get added to this list. Also, big shout out and thanks to Wall Control and Hang Time who helped me put together my podcast studio for you all to bring you better, more content every week. All right. With no further ado, here is Amanda Russell, or the Sawdust Woman. Um, well, Amanda, I like to start by having my guests introduce themselves. So, would you please do that? Sure.
1: Um, so my name's Amanda Russell. Um, I go by Sawdust Woman on Instagram. Um, I've been woodworking for about five years now, and currently apprenticing with philip morley and yeah i'm I'm pretty new to this but um it's been life-changing for me uh i i highly uh (laughs) back the uh, therapeutic value of woodworking Mm -hmm. and yeah yeah i love what i do
0: awesome Hmm. Well, I'm gonna start by asking like a big question, and then we'll narrow it down. So my big question okay. is: <laughs> is I I want to you know know your your story from like you know where'd you grow up to like how you got to where you're at right now?
1: Okay, yeah. So um, I grew up in El Paso, Texas. Um, I have two siblings single dad most of my life um and so grew up with kind of a unique uh background and then went to college uh went to UTEP uh UT El Paso um and majored in creative writing but I figured out pretty quickly that um college wasn't my (laughs) my thing so uh, I bartended and waitress for a long time. And then bartending, I, my dad, well, my dad and my grandfather both were, uh, woodworkers. So I kind of was around it, but didn't really take a personal interest in it. And then one day I was just like, Hey, can you show me? I asked my dad, I'm like, can you show me how to use a lathe? He's like, sure. Come over. You know, I, I made a muddler, uh, like for bartending mm-hmm. so that was my first project and I was it just kind of clicked and it was like okay this is it like <laughs> this is the first thing I've really connected with and um you know there aren't in El Paso there aren't a lot of resources for like there aren't trade schools there aren't um I went and joined a woodworking club there and it's you know I think I, they were like you're the first like woman and like person under the age of 50 that's like come in here in <laughs> a long time. <laughs> Are you sure you want to do this kind of thing? And I was just like very quickly um, discovered. Yeah. Maybe school would be the best choice. And so I kind of packed up everything and moved to Austin and um, Austin community college. has like an amazing uh, woodworking certification program, which I didn't know at the time. I just thought, okay, well, I can afford this. I can jump into it. And, um, so glad I did, um, jumped into that program. Uh, it's about a year long. And then ended up being where I met Phil, who's now my mentor. And about six months after taking a class with him, he was like, Hey, do you, um, do you want to jumped in the shop and helped me out for a little bit and it's like absolutely you know but yeah straight out of uh woodworking I jumped I I went to a sawmill like Mm. I I thought okay logically like (laughs) I want to know where wood comes from like how it's cut down how it's dried and I was super grateful for that experience but yeah that kind of kind of the beginning of it (laughs) Uh, just of it
0: so I mean, going starting out, going into, like, creative writing, like, where, I mean, did you have, like, a lot of interest in just, like, creative tasks or, like, hobbies as, like, a kid that led you into even, like, checking that out? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah
1: drawing from a young kid um yeah drawing and writing I was like really big into poetry for a long time Mm -hmm. and so yeah creativity has been around my whole life uh yeah I mentioned like my grandfather was kind of a jack of all trades and um but uh did he was restoring antique clocks for a long time so he did like the finial work and little Mm -hmm. turnings and and all the clockwork and replace pieces and so I grew up around creativity my dad's the same way and um yeah was always drawing writing um pretty much anything I could get my hands on Mm -hmm. so uh creative writing made sense at the time I was really um really wanted to write um like fiction like Mm -hmm. novels and Mm -hmm. um I mean, I still would love to incorporate that into the rest of what I do, mm-hmm. but um, it, yeah, creatively it's always been present in my life. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. So, I mean, yeah. Do you think, do you think once you were at college, was it, was it strictly like, this this is not my like you know jam doing this four year <laughs> college thing, or was there any bit like it just still wasn't maybe like writing isn't meant to be my thing.
1: Yeah, I think I think it in my life at that time there were a lot of things going on that kind of pushed me that way. You know, I was um, living alone and kind of like making it day by day, but also I just. I was a graphic design minor as well. So I was taking art classes and doing like hands-on stuff, but it was very um, abstract. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think what I love about furniture making is there's a precision to it, but it creative direction <laughs> as well. Like I do like structure mm-hmm. and creative writing, you know, I didn't completely dive into it. Um, but, and part of me getting into woodworking was, Um, with creative writing I was like I need something I can do with my hands that will allow me to kind of let that flow happen in my brain so like originally getting into woodworking was also like pushed by I want to be a writer and I wish I could remember where I heard this but it was a, a famous writer talking about how he was a janitor and just He was like, I do the most mundane thing day to day. So my brain can just be fresh when I go home Mm -hmm. and write. And so I thought, well, yeah, let me think of something dexterous I can do Mm -hmm. that will allow me to have that creative freedom elsewhere. And then it just turned into something I really Mm love. Anyway, so.
0: I mean, I definitely, I definitely get that. I mean, it's no different, I guess, than like, you know, like, I'll take, like, a long drive or just, like, go for a long walk or even just a shower sometimes is, like, enough Mm -hmm. to, like, get my brain thinking on projects. Um, Though sometimes I like intentionally don't do those things. So I'm like, I have a like mile long project list as it is. And I don't need to add anything <laughs> to that.
1: Um, yeah, I understand that. <laughs> you know,
0: uh, but it's right. also good to help figure out like, you know, when you come up with an idea, sometimes then you got to figure out how to actually put it together. And that takes mm-hmm. time to think through as well. Um, right. So... Did you ask your dad to teach you how to use the lathe? Cause you had that specific project in mind or was there something like you thought turning would be something you really enjoyed? So that
1: was super specific and um, it just ended up kind of uh, expanding when I was turning bowls like the next week <laughs> and just like, yeah, I had no idea that I would just, yeah, that it, I had nothing in mind at the time other than that one thing. I was like, I think I could do this on a lathe. Let me try it. And then it it quickly evolved into <laughs> the rest, you know, just woodworking in general. So is the, do you still enjoy
0: uh, turning? I have not turned in <laughs> since I started. So yeah,
1: I'd love to get back into it though. I like, um, like I was saying, I like structure and I love the like, precision of furniture making and using you know a table saw and a router and getting these like really dialed in things but there's something like cathartic about using a lathe or like what you do like I, mm-hmm. I've i been thinking a lot about like I need to get into like power carving or something freeform that
0: mm-hmm. allows
1: that creative freedom and just a little less like precision to it I think there's a beauty in it and a
0: balance there is sometimes I find and I, and I think maybe turners feel this way too sometimes, like, especially when I started power carving, it was actually hard to get into that free form, if that makes sense. Like, it was like, okay, here's a chunk of wood. What do I do with it? Like I had like, <laughs> you know, and so it took right. like scrapping a bunch of stuff just because I'd like, okay, well, let's just get the tool out and see what happens type thing. Mm -hmm. But it wouldn't turn into anything, you know, or I'd get frustrated because nothing would come to mind in the process of like messing around with the tools. So it's like, I think there is a balance, but sometimes I think there is, um, again, not that it's mundane, but that there's, in having that structure, it's like it, you don't have to necessarily like think of the steps yourself if, I don't know if that makes any sense, like, if you're building a chair, like there's certain steps you have to take to building a chair or certain steps right. you have to take to building a table. <laughs> um and no, I understand that. Yeah. Know, yeah. And and so it's like if you start though with nothing without that end goal in mind, it can be I don't almost overwhelming to like wrap your head around it sometimes.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um I often find too with like designing pieces now,
1: I felt so much or before I understood like joinery and everything mm-hmm. all the things that have to happen there's this like and I often now when I design pieces it's like just draw it think about the joinery later don't think mm-hmm. about the the my mind often goes yeah. to the how <laughs> it's gonna happen and it's limiting it can yeah. be limiting so it is it is a really difficult and I can't even imagine like I I think I would enjoy the power carving as I mean it looks fun anyway but like <laughs> yeah. as an
0: exercise as well right. on just letting letting go
1: yes. and like letting that creative process
0: happen. Yeah, so. absolutely. I mean it 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 took time. It took time to get to a point where it's like now almost I still have a few chunks of wood in my shop that I haven't necessarily like where I still can't see what I want it to become, mm-hmm. but for the most part um a lot of the you know logs and stuff like there is a specific purpose in mine like when I picked that out like I know exactly what I want to make with that I might not know all the details but I know in general like what I want to make out of that specific piece of wood but it took a long time to get there Um, and so it's like when people will ask me that like especially people who aren't in woodworking or any creative field at all. When they're like, how do you, you know, how do you see this finished thing out of that chunk of wood you started with? Like, I don't even know how to answer that because it took <laughs> it took years of like being right, able to yeah. let my my mind work and, and to understand like what I actually needed out of a piece to make a bowl or what I actually needed mm-hmm. out of a piece to make, you know, a table or a chair or whatever, like you have to, it takes time to hone those skills, and I don't know if that's something you can ever teach somebody (laughs) else how to do,
1: I don't know. Uh, And I I totally get what you're saying, too, because, like, when you have classes, it's not, you know, it's, like, we, you know, I work with Austin School Furniture, and it's kind of the same thing, and I've always said, like, the beauty of woodworking to me, and why I would think I was so drawn to it, is because, I mean, you're working with a natural material. Mm -hmm. There's an element of it that's out of your hands completely. (laughs) So I can do every single step right. And it, you know, perfectly. And it could still not go well, (laughs) you know? And there's a respect, like a mutual respect for like, understanding how wood moves, understanding, Mm -hmm. you know, like, you know, I, I don't know if I could look at a log and like, really you have to, you have to really understand what's going on underneath as well. Mm -hmm. With carving, I'm certain that's how that works. Like (laughs) it is just really when you, when you start breaking apart the material that there's a lot of elements that are completely out of our control.
0: Yeah. And
1: that's such a hard thing to explain to people. And it is, that's an, it's an exercise as well, like learning to let go and being like, you know, and I kind of parallel it to life. (laughs) I don't Mm want to sound too like, but it is there's this, there's this element of yeah. like this is out of my control but i can do the best i can with it and exactly yeah in that in that aspect i find woodworking so therapeutic in that way too yeah cuz yeah it's not a, it's not like steel where it's like no. if you cut it and it it's not going to go too crazy <laughs> right it 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 might go haywire and it's not your
0: yeah you it's know, i i tell quite a few people especially beginners that the only thing I can guarantee for them with their project is that something will go wrong and you will have to problem solve (laughs) like that is, and and that's every project. Like, I think even the, you know, uh, experts in our, in our field would agree. Like they've just had more years of problem solving. So it doesn't seem as drastic maybe to them when something doesn't go right. Um, Hey, makers. So today's podcast episode is sponsored in part by Alicia Van Osdall, who is the owner of Basil Blue Design Company. Alicia is a maker of all things, really. Her focus is on beautiful craftsmanship through woodworking, repurposing, refinishing art and sculpture. Her background includes 30 years of graphic design, logos, and branding. If you have an idea or concept, that and need a creative solution or graphic design you can email alicia directly at alicia and that is a-l-i-c-i-a at basilblue.com or you can visit her website at www.basilblue.com Dot com and fun fact uh, Alicia actually designed the logo for crafting a revolution so that is an example of the impeccable work you can expect if that is something you are in the market for so be sure to look up Alicia again at her website basilblue.com all right let's get back into the action but yeah I've got like like you said the one story I have about the with like wood movement and doing everything perfectly I have, I made a, designed and made a wine hutch and originally it was supposed to be made out of um, mahogany, uh, though I was using Sapelli because that's way cheaper and it looks a lot like mahogany. <laughs> um, so, but I was making like the post legs cause it, it's, um, you know, cabinet furniture, furniture, basically. So I was making the post legs and did everything perfect, jointed it. You know, sawed it, planed it, perfectly square, two by two posts. Left for the night. Came back the next day to class, and it was twisted like to high heaven. And I was like, "Are you?" S-? And it was dry. It was kiln-dried wood, right? So it okay. should not have done that, <laughs> 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 but it did. You know, and yeah. uh, and that and that's like it. It oh, you. I like what you said. It's like it's it's still even though it's quote unquote dead, it's still a living material. It still brings in moisture and expels moisture and moves and mm-hmm. all kinds of things. And uh, it can make it both fun and frustrating in the same breath.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said too. Like, I mean, one of the first things Bill told me was just like a really good woodworker knows how to fix mistakes mm-hmm. because they're going to happen. Like it's inevitable. And it's out of your hands sometimes, but when you get really good at it, it's knowing how to repair those things or make those things work. So it is, it is just like a, a beautiful material to work with in general. Mm -hmm.
0: There's a lot of, a lot of lessons in it. (laughs) Yes, there are. Yes, there are. So how long have you been working with Phil? Um, about three years. Um,
1: like part-time and then for the past gosh I think it's going to be a year in October Uh, so full-time I've been yeah working with him full-time
0: okay um so I mean I heard you you mentioned you know like designing pieces are you getting to do like your own projects from start to finish or do you work Um, on like commission pieces that he's getting
1: mostly commissioned pieces that he's doing and I've been fortunate enough to get some like side projects that I'm working on um after work and (laughs) Mm -hmm. so I'm kind of navigating that that time um but yeah mostly mostly it's just pieces he has and um we've been fortunate to do like some small production pieces which is good for me because I'm doing repetitive work Mm -hmm. which is like a super big teaching tool Mm -hmm. um and then I'm also getting to see him do the
0: kind of one-off unique uh projects as Mm -hmm. well Mm -hmm. um did you know anything about him teaching at that school when you went there I think it cut out yeah it did sorry (laughs) uh, no problem I was just asking do you um did you know anything about him teaching there when you went there or at the um at the school you went to or anything of his reputation before going there none and I actually we joke about this a lot
1: because um like Phil's now that I know him and like his sense of humor this all makes sense so just as a forward (laughs) but my first I met him um in my first class and I was like the only female in the class, I was just like, uh, the instructor would say something and some guy would come up to me like, yeah, so you need to, and I was like, I can hear the same thing. (laughs) Like I was just listening to him. (laughs) So I was having, I was having the worst time to begin with. And I was, uh, my first class like hands-on was a cabinet making class. I was like standing out a piece of plywood and Phil walks in. I have no idea who he is. And he's just like, I was I was like touching it every time I sanded through a grit mm-hmm. and he's like you know like you know touching it isn't gonna make it any smoother right and he just walks away and I just like I was already like mm-hmm. at my limit <laughs> and I was just like who is this guy like I remember going home so mad and just like so mm-hmm. frustrated because I was already like I and um I didn't tell him this so recently <laughs> because he's like I don't remember how we met and I was like I remember how we met <laughs> <laughs> so so but like the following week in class the instructor was like oh this is Phil and he's an instructor and um even then I was like oh, God, Oh like I can't believe you know I was mm-hmm. just like already very mm-hmm. sensitive to it and um we joke about it now because that's just like he's he's the first to jump into a joke or like he's mm-hmm. not even thinking about it so I thought he was some student and um yeah finally I think the last class I took was with him so I didn't really get to like know him I his mentor is actually the person he apprenticed with for seven years is actually an instructor there too and I had him first he was my last like advanced class Mm -hmm. and he's like the sweetest like it was that like solidified everything for me just his joy in woodworking Mm -hmm. and um then yeah I met Phil after that so but no context I had no idea going in (laughs) who any of them were Mm -hmm. um but I yeah I've been fortunate like very fortunate to uh, meet the people I have
0: yeah so I mean okay so you were the only girl in that class did you remain the only girl throughout
1: not completely but it was definitely um pretty (laughs) heavy contrast (laughs) one or two and um you know yeah that first class I'm I'm glad I pushed through it because that was probably my most difficult experience Mm -hmm. and then after that it was pretty you know the instructors there were amazing on like and even that one he like picked up on what was going on Mm -hmm. and kind of stepped in and um the program I have to say was really good on on balancing that And I, I didn't I had experiences with students but not instructors yeah yeah um, but well
0: with that like with that class in particular was there like an overlap of like were there cabinet makers taking like who were going to go into like kitchen cabinet making cl- you know work <laughs> after that taking that same class
1: no, and that, okay. that's what, it didn't make sense to me either. I'm like, okay. we're all
0: beginners here,
1: you know, mm-hmm. that, that's what was frustrating. And, because um, I'm always open to like, hey, if you know more than me, I'm fine with that. Yeah. But it was more of an element of like.
0: Was it mansplaining?
1: Yeah, yeah oh, <laughs> lots of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: lots of it. So, yeah, it's just like, um, it's, I mean, I've experienced that throughout my career in Mm -hmm. different forms and um yeah my first job was a a very Mm -hmm. interesting experience especially at a
0: sawmill I feel like I was gonna say like sawmill does not (laughs) does not scream inclusivity in any (laughs) general way shape or form yeah
1: I was I was in the wood shop so I wasn't like you know Mm. um, out cutting down trees and stuff Mm. but um even in that aspect, it was, you know, I dealt with sales and I dealt with, mm-hmm. um, with clients and it was always like, wow, it's amazing. You're doing this. And I'm like, wait for it. Cause
0: mm-hmm. you're a girl, girl. you know? Yeah. And I'm mm-hmm. just like,
1: or like, th- I've, you know, I often had like, wow, they let you use that table saw. And like, just, <laughs> uh, it was, it was so frustrating going in. And I feel like my first reaction to that was wanting them to ignore that I was a woman and just mm-hmm. be like, take me for face value, yeah. like my skill. And I embraced that for a really long time. Like I fought it for so long. But I, and I don't know if this is your experience. But towards the end, you know, I had a conversation where I was like, man, this is so frustrating at work. And like, these things are happening. And I'll remember this conversation forever. But it was the question was, well, do you feel that you're a threat as a woman in a man's shop? And I was like, what? Wait, no, this doesn't even cover what I'm saying, but also like, mm-hmm. what does that even mean? Like, <laughs> and and my takeaway from that was immediately like people aren't gonna ignore that we're women. Mm-hmm. So just embrace it and mm-hmm. work with it. And and my perspective changed from that point on. And I really that's when I changed my name to like Sawdust Woman on Instagram because I was like, I wanted to just be, like, mm-hmm. a bad, like, I I understand, like, representation, too. Like, I felt like I kind of hid that for a while. And I was like, mm-hmm. no, I I need to be an, an example to mm-hmm. other people. Like, when I was going into this, I didn't have, or I just wasn't aware of how many women are in this field. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's still, there's still a need for more, I think, and mm-hmm. still opportunities for that. But, um it's just, it's important to hold that space and, yeah. and be an example.
0: Yeah, and you know, I do think, um, I think probably every guest I've had on this podcast and there's 170 something of you that <laughs> I've had on this podcast struggle with that, right? Like that idea of like, I just want to be a woodworker. Like, I don't want to be, like, the female woodworker or, you know, or in something like the Black female woodworker or the, you know, queer female, whatever. I just want to be, like, a woodworker. That's all I want to be. And I definitely understand that. And I would say I probably felt that way for a while, too. Um, And then I've also heard the flip side from from men say about women who do claim it so like your name sawdust woman you know that some men I've heard say like well that would be like a turnoff to me because like why can't you just be another woodworker why is it important that you're a woman Mm -hmm. and so there's like this tug and pull you know like like back and forth of like what's the importance of it and I look at it as like especially if you are a heterosexual white male, you have all kinds of privilege coming with you that you're allowed to just say that you are a woodworker. <laughs> like, yeah. And and right. you don't actually have to think about any of this stuff because <laughs> like, it doesn't right. actually touch your life ever. Um, and so mm-hmm. to your point, I think it is, like to me, it's a matter of pride and that's not to say that anybody who does not fall into a female woodworker category meaning like if you're non-binary or or any of you know any other form of that like but it is a matter to me of like no this is important because it is representation um Mm -hmm. and i more so struggled with i I stayed in the closet for a really long time on social media that I hid, you know, like my queer side because I was like, either A, I'm going to lose people or somebody's going to, and they did. Somebody's like, why did you have to share that? Because representation matters because it's another layer down. It's like, I'm not just a woman, I'm a queer woman. And so other queer women need to see that they can do this. Um, or maybe little girls, you know, growing up going, what in the world can I go do and be like accepted as? So mm-hmm. I think it, I think everybody struggles with it, but I think it's better to embrace it than to ignore it. I don't, I mean, that's kind of the side I tend to fall on. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I, 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 totally agree. And I, I think like the biggest thing for me was um, just going back to that space and like I'm new to this relatively new to this mm-hmm. and for me it was yeah where do I do I see a rep, a version of myself in this it's really hard to do something if you don't see a version of yourself in it
0: exactly so how
1: do you yeah how do you navigate that and and there are plenty of women who have and like have mm-hmm. been like blazing the trail for the rest of us and props to them I and in, in some form we are doing that in mm-hmm. this space as well like it's not that it's not it hasn't been going on very long that women are in this field so it's like very crucial and very important mm-hmm. I think that um yeah we just just be in that space and like or like we, you said you know
0: yeah or the information just hasn't been shared right to your point there have been women in these fields that have blazed the trail though they were mm-hmm. still a great minority. Um, but pre-social media, me in Iowa had no idea that there was, like, an, like female woodworkers out there. I knew there's men. I knew that was something that, like, a man could go into and do. Um, mm-hmm. and, 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 in fact, that's still, which is totally mine to own and just get over, but it's still one of my biggest pet peeves when I say I'm a woodworker and somebody goes, oh, my husband or my grandpa or my dad was a woodworker. I'm like, that's great. I would much rather hear about what woman you know as a woodworker, (laughs) Um, right? You know, yeah, it is difficult, right? Yeah. Hey, makers! Today's episode is sponsored in part by ToolMomStore.com. At ToolMomStore.com, you can find any and all tool-based merchandise for all genders, all sizes. They've got mugs. They've got shirts. All kinds of cool stuff. I have uh, one of the shirts myself that has the uh, hashtag would her on it and I also have a couple of the mugs that define what and who is a tool chick. So super excited with the merchandise that I have. I know that you will be satisfied as well um, and also great discount for those of you who listen to the podcast at checkout, if you enter the code MAKERMOM, you will get a 20% discount off any of the merchandise that you buy. So that's just toolmomstore.com. All right, let's head back into the action.
1: Yeah, yeah not to discount like all the women yes. that have done this. It's yeah. just more, yeah, I'm, I'm glad for social media for that aspect as well. Like it just did. I mean, when I started, I wasn't, I mean, Instagram was a thing, but I wasn't really aware of the community. And mm-hmm. I mean, I just... I was pulling out fine woodworking magazines. And even that is not well represented as -hmm. it should be, you know? So yeah, I'm glad for social media in that aspect as well.
0: Exactly. Um, Yeah, and I feel that that just continues to grow. Um, And like, it's just easier to find each other. And given that I'm somebody who is continuously hunting, (laughs) I will say that. I appreciate certain hashtags and stuff, which make, <laughs> has started making my job easier to find women to uh, interview. Um, so, I mean, I want to spend a little time talking, like you said, program was great. Per, you know, you didn't ever have any issues with any of the, the teachers, maybe from some of the classmates. Um, and then in your kind of your first job, um, how's interactions with clients like now? where you're at
1: um so again I don't do a lot of like my own projects mm-hmm. so I don't deal directly with clients I have to say like teaching is maybe where I mm-hmm. have like the one on face-to-face and that's that's always interesting because as of now I'm just an assistant teacher mm-hmm. so I think there's an element to that but um I've had some interactions that you know have been a little frustrating I think in January I assisted a class and for Phil and he had to like third day in I was like hey like you know I've, I had somebody coming to me and asking the question and I'm answering it and they'd pretty much ignore that and then go to you and I don't want to you know he had to kind of address the class in a very mm-hmm. it was very um unassuming but it was you know it was just she knows what she's doing, like, right. But for him to have to be like, she knows what I have to vouch for you. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. There's a little, what's frustrating. Yeah. And, and, um, and, you know, I'm not, it's a weird balance because I'm also, you know, new at this. I'm not Mm -hmm. coming from a place of like, I know everything, but if I'm assisting a class, I, I'm like, I do have a skill set. Yeah. Yeah. I need to, that I can, you can utilize. That's the whole point of you taking this class. And so that's, that's been the most, the learning curve for me is like, and I'm not an address, like I'm not a, yeah, a yeah. loud person. Yeah,
0: yeah. So there's a
1: balance to that as well, but. It's
0: so like, it's I, I'm curious to ask this question, um, like, okay, especially in the teaching world, like what's been your experience when you're uh, like teaching a male student to use a power tool? um like a table the most, saw or you know <laughs> that type of thing
1: yeah there's there's a uh, an ego involved mm-hmm. with it with a little bit of everything and i I I love assisting teaching kind of because of this because I'm I'm again not a forceful person and I'm a person that can take a step back and be like this isn't a personal thing this is a I need to feel like I'm I know right. how to do this Thing. and so I'm always I'm always like okay I could take a step back or like and, and let him kind of safely go through this. yes <laughs> but but yeah there is an element to especially that is funny you bring that up like especially power tools are like a thing that like a guy's supposed to know how to use there's like an element that I just have to be very patient with and I'm I've gotten pretty good at it I think And on that, in that aspect, I've had really great students as well Mm -hmm. who have no, you know, and it's always, what I found very unique, it's always like experienced people that will pause and be like, please show me how to do this. And like, honestly take advice. Mm -hmm. So it's a a weird, it's a weird element. (laughs) I'm glad you bring that up. That is such a common thing. (laughs) I
0: mean, I've like, I've not taught, you know, uh, class, one-on-one type thing um but there's two things like I noticed because I took I also you know took furniture classes at a community college is where my formal kind of training comes from and so I was always a student um but the kind of student I am is I tend to I tend to end up the teacher's pet and I tend to end up being becoming a non-paid assistant teacher um just because I listen well and and then I can you know I can give that information um but I struggle like I actually only there were certain students in the class who um like we became friends right and so then they could recognize like oh Katie actually really knows how to use this tool and so like they could like come and talk to me about it and there was no issue because it was like a mutual Mm -hmm. respect and I would do the same if there was something they knew how to do um or had more experience with but like there was one instance where I like was watching somebody use a table saw and I'm like he is going to cut off his hand like just watching him repeatedly Mm -hmm. and You know, so I went up and I just gently was like, hey, you might want to try it this way, um, just because it could be safer. And like the the disdain that came off of him, because I could tell because I mean, I actually went up because he, you know, he was quite rude and disrespectful about it. Uh, about me saying that and so I went and told our professor because I was like he really is doing something unsafe and so I think you should go over there and address it like yeah um and he did you know and the teacher gave the same correction I did because that's the teacher I had learned to use the table saw from um and then the student Mm -hmm. took that correction but it was like what does my like genitalia have anything to do with the fact that I'm trying to make sure you keep your appendages
1: like (laughs) I just don't
0: understand that
1: I wish I think what I found is like there it almost does require some assertiveness though even with that I've still had pushback yeah it's yeah there is some I don't know but it is it is that like you brought up again like there's things that men don't have to think about Yeah, I have to be like I have this balance of like I'm really not an assertive person and I really shouldn't have to be if I'm like in that space so so and and it appeals to some people but some people just need like a no like you cannot do this (laughs) but but there is even if you had said it that way there's still that element of like it might have he might have responded even worse like
0: Well, and that's just it, right? It's like something you have to think about. If you're too assertive, you're a bitch. I mean, that's what you're seen as, right? (laughs) (laughs) And and if you're not assertive enough, then we can walk all over you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, again, I don't. Other the other, you know, male gendered do not have to think about this like ever. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely, because it's not questioned. And it is hard. I mean, to your point, like, so there was one in that school, the only female staff, like female professor, she taught finishing and she taught both finishing classes. Um, She was phenomenal at it, but that was all she taught, right? And then the other like assistant, there was one female assistant and she assisted for the turning classes. And I just remember her, how brash I felt she was. Like, and she was way harder on me, the only female in the class, than any of the guys. Um, Until I flat out had it, and and it happened to be, I was, like, first trimester pregnant in this class. And so I was, like, dealing with, like, queasiness and having to run to the bathroom, like, 50 million times. Um, And so I had to pull her aside and be, like, just look, stop. Stop like I know you have to be this way with the guys but you do not have to be this way with me um you know and and I always looked at that as like because I had teachers who were like Katie you should go into teaching like I think you'd be good at it and I would look at her as my example and be like but I don't want to have to become that when that's not me like I don't want to have to become you know what I felt was like very brash um in order to get somebody to take me seriously, like, mm-hmm. I actually can know what I'm talking about and still be soft-spoken and still be, like, you know, me, <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, yeah, did, it, so did that instructor, like, respond pretty well to that, or? She did, um, she did, and I think I pulled the pregnant sympathy card a little bit, um, <laughs> <You know? laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> like use what, yeah, what I got yeah use what I got um yeah she she kind of backed off a little bit and and again I think eventually with time she saw it's like if you're not super harsh with me um like I am I'm one of those people who like gets through the semester's material like a quarter of the way through this, med- like, that's just who I am, like, I enjoy learning, and so I'm just going to keep going, if, unless you're stopping me, Um and so I think once she figured that out, and it was like, oh, if I, you know, if I can be, like, nice to this person, like, <laughs> she'll do better, Um you know, yeah, but I also got it, because, like, her brashness was kind of, like, I hate using this term, but I was like, she was like the mom of the shop. Right. And she was constantly like having to tell the guys to clean up after themselves or like, you know, put your own shit away and like stuff like that. Um, Right. Which she, she learned shortly after the first few weeks, she never had to tell me I was going to do that. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, you don't have to tell me those things. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I'm just curious, like, Do you see yourself going more into teaching? Do you see yourself having to change yourself in order to do that? I would love to teach.
1: And I actually, again, in January, I assisted a class and it was a, it was a big learning moment for me because yes, like it was discouraging because he had to like validate me, but by the end of it, there was also, you know. And I'm, I still remain myself. And there were. There was a, we get feedback, like mm-hmm. anonymous feedback. And one student was like, Amanda's letting, you know, she knows more than she's letting on. And I was mm-hmm. like, okay, so maybe I don't have to hold back on the confidence aspect. I think like maybe if I can balance the confidence and still be soft-spoken and mm-hmm. hold that space, you know, I actually think there's an advantage to it because I've also assisted several like beginning classes where I've had both men and women come up and be like, thank you so much for being like patient and more like soft-spoken. Like, Mm -hmm. I just need that. And I think, I think, you know, you're, we're not for everybody, like no matter who we are. (laughs) So I think, I I mean, I, my goal has always been to continue teaching in whatever form, but it is like, I do want to stay true to myself Mm -hmm. and just also, like I think going forward, if I were to teach classes is really just ask the question of like, what are you trying to get out of this? Right. so I can address like your needs and like you can't do everybody right but right um, I think also women are much more intuitive, mm-hmm. and there's an advantage to that in teaching. so we have a lot of skill sets that aren't being utilized in a normal teaching setting that mm-hmm. I think in the future I'd like to explore and it was one of the, one of those would be like more personalized Mm -hmm. uh, experience with teaching Mm -hmm. like it doesn't have to be this like ego filled room like it can just be everybody's like at their own pace a little more like I know things have to move but yeah um I think I think it's worth exploring Mm -hmm. I'd like I would to answer your question I'd like to stay as true to myself as possible while teaching in the future
0: do you see staying in more of that institution institutionalized type teaching or do you see yourself branching out into like teaching your own courses someday like you know in your own space
1: yeah I would love I'd love to do that like teaching my own space and also I just again like accessibility is such a huge thing like I didn't you know I had magazines but and now like I know of Instagram but I'd love to do like YouTube and like mm-hmm. create content and just because it is like furniture making especially is like pretty inaccessible to people yeah. and just like how I've been thinking a lot about how can I make that accessible to people and mm-hmm. if it's a, a YouTube video you can pull up um, I would love to do that as well mm-hmm. I hate being on camera but I'm also like it's important that I do this <laughs> so I have to push myself a little bit <laughs>
0: but yeah I'd really you, love to. you get used to it I can tell you four years down the line I'm used to it now uh, <laughs> I'm good. used to filming everything um
1: <laughs> and you do such a great job too okay like it brings so much joy like your dancing videos are just like something I look forward to all the time
0: <laughs> I know it inspires me <laughs> good good um And as uh, I'll tell you, like I tell everyone else, I don't get it. I am not a good dancer. So I do not understand (laughs) why people enjoy it, but I'm glad they do. Um, So, okay. So if you could, because I'm watching, I'm watching our our time. um, I guess I really just want to ask, like, what is, what is the big dream for, amanda sawdust woman what's the big dream they're going after
1: so yes like i mentioned earlier sawdust woman was kind of a uh the concept is kind of just passing along that information making it accessible and just empowering women non-binary anybody moving forward in this craft that
0: mm-hmm.
1: has not had that voice you know it's, it's all about representation like I've had, you know, Phil's like, why don't you use your name? And I'm like, I don't want it to be me. I want it to be a collective thing. So my big dream is really, like, creating content, making, you know, I would love to get to a point where I wouldn't have to charge for a woodworking class and just get, you know, I live near Austin and get the city involved Mm -hmm. and um, just pass along what I've been fortunate enough to be taught, you know. Mm -hmm. Um, I just... That's my biggest motivation: mm-hmm. teaching and passing along the craft.
0: So I don't know if you're familiar with. Um, I guess it's. I mean, guess technically it's a school, and kind of a. Uh, it's on Instagram too. Crafting the future. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a. That's a fantastic organization, and I think they're really helping to try to move that needle too to get. Um, more people into just craft in general not necessarily specifically like woodworking but craft in general
1: right um
0: yeah yeah, I think that's super super interesting and I bet I bet Austin would be an excellent place for something similar
1: Um, Mm -hmm. I hope so I mean yeah I just yeah I do want it to just be um yeah I have like a guy working on some logos and stuff for me right now he's like I showed you know my girlfriend your uh like sawdust woman she's like oh my god I feel like a like a superhero or something I was like yeah exactly like I kind of just want that energy of like Mm -hmm. yes I can do this and it doesn't have to just be about woodworking it can be whatever you know Mm -hmm. so that's my big dream and of course like I want to be a you know create furniture and stuff but I want to show that journey because I just feel like going into it, it was so crucial for me to see other Mm -hmm. people like me that are doing this. So I just want to hold that space and like pay that forward too.
0: Was there anyone in particular that you saw as an example that really, that you, Um, another person you like really resonated with?
1: So Leslie Webb, Mm -hmm. which, you know, like, um, I mean, I've met her in person, fortunately, Mm -hmm. and um, pretty early on got to see her work. And um, to me, it's just inspiring. She started a tool company, you know, like she's selling tools and she's, um, I mean, the customer service is top notch, but like, she's just also very present in the community and very working towards a bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So she kind of encompasses all of those things. So Leslie really huge.
0: yeah, Yes. Yes, I have not had Leslie on yet that's one that's yeah that's on my list of like trying to get her on (laughs) um yeah okay so we're 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 close enough to the end that I want to make sure you get a chance to um let people know all the different ways that they can find you and follow along with you
1: so as of now it's just Instagram (laughs) okay Sawdust woman
0: totally on instagram okay <laughs> to find me awesome <laughs> yeah. um and i'll include the link on how to do that um on how to find you there and thanks for chatting with me today thank you so much it was so great being on here yeah all right so that was amanda russell also known as the sawdust woman on instagram and i'll include the link on how you can follow along with her in the show notes the best way to find that is in the description on your podcast app or if you're watching this on YouTube check the description down below to find that link now if you enjoyed today's episode please remember to hit that subscribe button and it's been a while so i'm going to ask you to also head on over to iTunes and leave a five star review that helps us find more listeners to learn that will be able to learn about all these amazing makers and um the stories that they share with us. So again, make sure you hit that subscribe and head on over to iTunes, especially with the new name change. Uh, it will be good to give it a little bit of a bump. All right. So when I'm not making podcast episodes, you can generally find me uh, designing and making furniture over at freemanfurnishings.com or at freemanfurnishings across all of the social media platforms like TikTok, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm active on a semi-daily basis on Instagram and TikTok, though that's where I'm most active. So if you want to see what project I have currently going on, go check that out. Um, right now, there's a lot of content around moving shops. Um, but I also throw in some some fun stuff in there too. So hope to see you over at Freeman Furnishings um, or at Crafting a Revolution on Instagram as well. And it's Friday. Hope you all have a great weekend. And remember, let's craft a revolution. She, her, their, they got something they want to say. Solution for the toxic masculinity. Pollution is the constant evolution of a brain.